Hello, this is Historically Thinking's Commonplace Book for July 3rd, 2018, a collection of commemorations, birth dates, death dates, paradoxes, coincidences, and quotations found nowhere else. July 3rd is a day full of military disasters or triumphs or sort of disasters, depending upon your point of view. It's best known to Americans and Civil War history buffs as the last day of the Battle of Gettysburg, the day that George Pickett's Virginia Division and other supporting Confederate forces failed to break through the center of the Union Army along Cemetery Ridge. That this was the high-water mark of the Confederacy, as it's often now seen, was not clear at the time. One prominent observer named Abraham Lincoln saw it as yet another moment in which the Union Army had managed to snatch a stalemate from the jaws of victory. A much more consequential battle occurred this day in 1187, the first day of the Horns of Hattin, the battle at which Saladin, Sultan of Egypt, destroyed the armies of the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Diverting the course of their march to find a source of water, the Frankish army, as their Muslim opponents called them, found their way blocked by Saladin's army. By the night of the third, Saladin had surrounded the crusaders on top of a desert plateau, cutting them off from sources of water, and Saladin's armies were setting fire to the dry grass around that plateau, suffocating the Franks with smoke. The following day of the battle saw only one successful breakout by the crusader armies. All other attempts by the disintegrating Frankish army to escape were thrown back. This was the end of the power of the principality, which Europeans referred to as Outremer, the kingdom over the sea, otherwise known as the Kingdom of Jerusalem, established by the First Crusade of 1099. Ironically enough, on that same day, 63 years later, King Louis IX of France was captured in battle, ending the Seventh Crusade. His ransom was set by his captors, the Sultan of Egypt, as the equivalent of three years of the royal revenue of the Kingdom of France. Later on, Louis would be canonized, and that is how St. Louis, Missouri, gets its name. And on this day in 1754, a 22-year-old George Washington surrendered a ramshackle fortification that he had dubbed Fort Necessity, to a surrounding force of French and Indians. That surrender and the terms that he signed led to the Seven Years' War, which would spread out from that meadow in the back country of Pennsylvania to the plains of northern Germany and central India, the walls of Havana and Manila, and the seas of just about every ocean on earth. Even for those of us not particularly interested in military history, military disasters provide a way of thinking about failure. Here's what Elliot Cohen and John Gooch have to say about what they term military misfortune. Although military failure commonly results in defeat, not all defeats are equally worthy of study. Some are evidently the consequence of facing overwhelming odds. In such circumstances, the only thing to be done is to try to exercise some form of damage limitation. Others can be the result of a stroke of blind chance. Others, again, may be the inescapable consequence of straightforward incompetence. Once we have identified the battles that fall into these categories, little benefit is to be gained from further study. They have yielded up their secret, such as it is. 
However, not all military failures fall into these convenient categories. Some are defeats and others are the lost victories, in between victory and defeat. They seem to share certain common characteristics that raise important questions about the nature and causes of military failure. Most striking is the fact that when they occur, no one individual is obviously to blame. True military misfortunes, as we define them, can never be justly laid at the door of any one commander. They are failures of the organization, not of the individual. The other thing the failures we shall examine have in common is their apparently puzzling nature. Although something has clearly gone wrong, it is hard to see what. Rather, it seems that fortune, evenly balanced between both sides at the outset, has turned against one side and favored the other. These are the occasions when it seems that the outcome of the battle depended at least as much on one side's mishandling of the situation as on the other's skill in exploiting a position of superiority. Competent professionals have failed in their tasks for reasons that are not immediately apparent. In truth, this is another side of the same coin. The causes of organizational failure in the military world are not easy to discern. Our choice of terminology then is both an indication of the complexity of military failure and an echo of the cry of bewilderment that so often greets it. This happened at Chernobyl, Pravda remarked three weeks after the double steam hydrogen explosion at the Soviet nuclear reactor in May 1986, is of course a great misfortune. That's from Military Misfortunes, an anatomy of failure in war, written by Elliot A. Cohen and John Gooch and published by the Free Press in 1990. And that's the Commonplace book for July 3rd, 2018. I'm Al Zambone, right in the corner where you are.